Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. We are in installment number two of a series that I'm very excited about called Affair Proof. I love the subtitle, when you cannot see eye to eye, you got to learn as a married couple to walk hand in hand. Uh, how many in the house you're married? Come on, how many in the house you're married, but you won't admit it? You really are, you despise your spouse. You, okay, I, that's the same guy who lifted his hand before, didn't like the preaching, and now we know why. No, I'm kidding. Listen, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that axiom is true. There's times when you're not going to see eye to eye. And you have to learn how to walk during those times hand in hand. Now, please, if you're single here or divorced here, please don't tune me out because I promise you there'll be principles for everybody in the house. This will apply to all of you and encourage you in some fashion in this session. So we've got to learn how to walk hand in hand when we don't see eye to eye. My, my hobby, most of you know we have a lot of first-time guests and we're honored to have you here. My hobby, one of them is the things that I enjoy, the things that I just do to relax. I shark fish. This is what I do to relax, and I, I don't do it off a boat. I do it off the shore. I have a kayak, and I take the bait way, up, way out, 100, 200 yards out in the ocean, which in and of itself is a bit alarming. And I drop the bait, and then, of course, I paddle back, and then I fish from the shore. And I've been on a bit of a dry spell lately, catching some big ones. I've been catching some smaller ones, but I'm all about the bigger the better when it comes to sharks because that's just how I like things, big. And so uh, I've been spending a bit of a dry spell. But the good news is I caught one just, uh, I was telling you last weekend, I caught one a few days ago that was seven foot and about 200 pounds. It was a sand tiger shark. Thank you for the six people that are clapping. That's a blessing. Now, when that happens, whenever I catch a big one, I love it, but whenever my wife is there, she does not. <laughs> and here's why. Uh, I, I let them all go back. I, I put them back into the ocean because I want them to, go, to be free so that they can grow bigger so that I can catch them again. <laughs> and, and, and so we let them all go back. And when I put them back in the ocean, Javier, I, I get in there with them because normally the big ones take a long time to get in. This particular shark took me an hour and a half to get in. So by the time that it got in, uh, the shark was tired, not the pastor. The shark was tired. And, and so I, I get in there with him, and yeah, I take him by the tail, and you, you swish him back and forth like this so that he gets water in his gills, and he begins to revive. And I look, I, I guess people looking at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> pastor, you, 
you're an idiot, and this is what my wife thinks, so, you know, join, join the gang. And so during that particular time, that is my wife's uneasiest time. She does not like that period of time. And so she gets a little bit nervous, or, you know, during when I'm doing that. And so here's a, we couldn't get a video of it. We, we have some video, but there was too much cussing by Miss Ann, so we can't. <laughs> Those of you here for the very first time, that's a joke. That is just, this woman got shaved when she was five. She's never in her life, and I really think that's the case. She is one goody two-shoe. Only Jesus could take a baddie two-shoe and a goody two-shoe and save all four of our souls. And so we can't show you the video, but we did have one still picture. Check it out. I want you to see this. There's my shark. And you can see Miss Ann. You see Miss Ann? Right? That's pretty much what she's doing the whole time while this thing is going on. She, <laughs> we were not seeing eye to eye at the moment. And she wanted to be able to walk hand in hand with me. She wanted me to be able to keep my hands and not have you all call me Pastor Stubby. Could I have an amen? No, so, I mean, you understand, that's, that's our thing. So there are times in our marriage when we don't always see eye to eye. But during those times... We've got to learn how to walk hand in hand. And unfortunately, in this culture, in this country right now, adultery affairs are at an all-time high. Check out the stats in America. They're alarming. 35% of men cheat and 23% of women cheat. And this is just in poker. <laughs> no, that's some alarming stats. That's, this culture is really full of all that kind of thing. Now, please, let me, let me talk to everybody's heart for a moment. Because I know in a church this size, there are always people that have gone through that or they've done that. Listen, there are certain bells you cannot unring and there are certain eggs you cannot unscramble. And so we're not here to throw rocks at anybody, just like Jesus did not throw rocks at the woman that was caught in adultery. But we are here to help you from this point on. We're here to give you biblical advice from this point on so that you can affair-proof your ministry because you and I both know it's not about intentions. All of us as believers have good intentions, I would assume. You're a born-again child of God. I, I figure your heart is good and you want to do the right thing. And I want you to know because life is not about intentions, I mean, we, we, no, one, no one takes the vows, you know, do you so-so, take this so-and-so, I do, I do, and then... No one during the vows are thinking, man, about seven years from now, I'm totally going to commit adultery on this woman. And if you are thinking that, you have your own issues. So we have the best of intentions. We want this thing to last for happily ever after, but yet those stats are real. So there's a disconnect between our intentions and between our actions. And we begin to talk to you about that disconnect of intentions. Let me give you, boil it down to two. Check it out. Number one, life is not about intention. It really is much more about prevention. And then secondly, life is not about intention. It really is much more about position. In other words, we all have good intentions, but how many know you can't win from a losing position? If you, if, you have a, if you have a really bad temper and you go into a boxing ring and ask God to keep you from losing your temper, you can't win from a losing position. He's going to tell you, hey, buddy, stay out of the boxing ring in the first place. Because life is not about intention. I, I, we got good intentions. Life is about prevention and life is about position. 
So I've really began last weekend to try to talk to you from a different angle because that is true and life is not about intention. We intend to do the right thing, yet somehow we get off somewhere. I began to talk to you from a, a backwards kind of a way so that you can realize, okay, if I'm on this path, I, I might be on this path, I intend to do the right thing, my intentions are good, but I might be on this path, but I don't even recognize it. Right. And so we begin to talk to you about, and you're going to love this church, seven ways to have an affair. <laughs> if you're here and you really want to cheat on your spouse, I'm going to give you seven ways. I gave four last weekend so that you can just go ahead and have the best affair ever. Now, please don't yell at me. Those of, those of you that are, are guests for the first time, I'm coming at this from a different background. I'm coming at this from a unique angle. Because if life is about not about intentions, it's about actions, and somehow we're missing the boat when it comes to our intentions, sometimes we don't even know we're on the path. So my goal is to help you recognize that path so that you can extricate yourself from that path. Are you ready? So let's review very quickly. So you, if you want, take great notes. If you want to commit adultery, if you want to cheat on your spouse, here's how to do it. Number one, last weekend, drift in your walk with God. That's your first step. We talked about a number of things along those lines, but let me just give you three that so many of us face. Check it out. Number one, make sure you pray only in the car and on the way to work. That'll help you drift in your walk with God and give you an opportunity to commit adultery on your spouse. By that response, I can tell some people are already on the path. <laughs> Look at number two, check it out. Just read the Bible occasionally and rarely apply it. You know, church is just something we do culturally. We don't, we don't just come. We just come here to yawn and grade the pastor. Well, pastor, that was a good message today. I'm not going to do any of it, but it's a good message. Look at the third thing, check it out. Go to church once a month when the weather's too poor to play golf. Or fish or whatever you want to put in there. These are great ways to drift with God and great ways, therefore, to start on your path towards adultery. <laughs> Look at the second thing. We talked about it last weekend. Neglect your marriage. Just begin to neglect it just a little at a time. And we gave you four neglect nuances. You're going to love these. Remember these. Number one, check it out. Give your best to something else. Make sure you give your best to your job or your hobby or even your children or sports or college football. But don't give it to your spouse. If you want to commit adultery, thank you for your enthusiasm. Number two, check it out. Don't take care of yourself. Just let it go. I mean, you're married now. You got her. You got him. Let it go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go, let it go. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me give you five great ways to let it go. Check it out. How you doing? My name's Joey Mathied, and this is Mathied's Gym. That's spelled M-E-A-T-H-E-A-D. That spells meathead. Would you call me? Cut! Hey, how you doing? I'm Joey Meathead. <laughs> Mathied, cut! Hey, how you doing? I'm Joey Mathied. This is Mathied's Gym. That's spelled M-E-A-T-H-E-A-D. Hey, have you looked in the mirror lately? You're totally disgusting. You make me want to puke. You know, you gotta be in here in Mathie's gym. Here's five good reasons how you know you've totally let yourself go. Number one, you 
can't even get your fat arms into your skinny jeans. Number two, you just need a rest after going up an escalator. Number three, you bleed Nutella. Disgusting. Oh, Number four, you sweat while hashtagging. Number five, when your fat pants just become your pants. Time to eat. So get in here to Mathieve's gym before you let it go becomes you got up and went because this doesn't happen overnight. Mathieves! Come on, come on, come on. Somebody encourage our Acts of Joy team, and Pastor Eric. That's one of my favorite videos. I promise you we're going to show that again. That was good stuff. So just let it go. Just neglect your marriage a little at a time. Remember those things under your arms? That you, used to, you used to call them triceps. Now they're six flags over Georgia. Third thing you need to understand is rarely communicate. Just neglect your marriage. Rarely communicate. And if you do ever communicate, make sure it's only about your children. Now listen to me. I understand we got to talk about our kids. I mean, I got one. Well, that's a big topic of conversation. But please also listen to me. Every once in a while, you've got to still talk to one another. Or when your child leaves, you're going to be married to a stranger. Fourth thing that you need to know, check it out. Make physical intimacy rare and boring. Men, you're welcome. Third thing that we talked to you about last time, and I want you to know if you're going to commit adultery, if you're going to have an affair, here's a way to do it. You're welcome. Think it can never happen to you. Think it can never happen to you. Big mistake. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Fourth thing that we talked about in review, check it out. Allow attractive to become attraction. There is nothing wrong with seeing somebody and thinking that that person is attractive. There's nothing wrong with that. But it becomes, if you're married, it becomes a sin when you then allow yourself to become attracted. To see someone handsome or someone beautiful is not a sin. You've been looking at one of that for 30 minutes. Of course, I'm kidding. How many know I have a radio face? How many understand that? There's nothing wrong with finding someone attractive. There is something wrong if you're married to allow yourself to be attracted. You can't help birds from flying over your head, but you sure can stop them from nesting in your hair. If you don't get anything else out of this session, get this thought, because you need to understand this. Get this life point. This is worth coming right here. Your feelings will not go where your thoughts have not first traveled. That's worth coming for right there. Your feelings will not go where your thoughts have not first traveled. And, I, and listen, scientifically speaking, psychologically speaking, it takes 30 seconds for a feeling to attach itself to a thought. 
Therefore, that's why the Bible is so clear and so scientifically accurate. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, the Bible says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, I learned a long time ago, I take the faith in my heart and the words of my mouth and I overpower the thoughts in my head and I make sure that I get rid of them before a feeling attaches itself to them because your feelings will never go where your thoughts have not first traveled. Now, that's catching us up to date. Anybody in the house ready for new territory? Come on, let's grow. <laughs> so if you want to commit adultery, if you want to have an affair, here's how to do it. I'm going to try to help you. Number five, check it out. Compare your spouse with another. Just this is the way to do it. Just make sure that you do that. And listen to me. Compare your spouse to someone who's either real or someone on television or someone on porn. And by the way, that woman that you're talking to, when you, when you make that call and she has that sexy voice, that woman that you're talking to, listen, truth be known, she's a 70-year-old woman from Sheboygan. She's got no teeth. She can spit water 30 yards out of that space between her teeth. But you have some fantasy idea about who that is. That's not real. The people on television are not real. The people on porn are not real. And you have got to stop comparing yourself or your, your spouse with somebody else. Somebody at church or somebody at work. Because listen to me, when we come to church, we put our best foot forward, do we not? I mean, when we go to work, most of the time, we put our best foot forward. But I'm going to give you some heavy revelation. Would you like heavy revelation today? Can I talk real to the people in Joy Church? Here's heavy revelation. Everybody's bathroom stinks. I'm sorry for looking at you, Steve, when I said that. <laughs> she was like, I have air freshener. Why are you looking at me? I'm sorry. I just happened to land my eyes on you. Here's a stat. You need to know this. It's very powerful. Check it out. Spouses who commit adultery, like 80% of their present spouse's attributes, but yet they give up that 80% to find this mythical 100% person. And the fact is, is that everybody's bathroom stinks. And the fact is, is that everybody has a 20%. And the fact is, most people have 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70. Sold. And you just think the grass is greener on the other side. And let me just challenge you. If you think that, may I just challenge you to water your own grass. Yes. Helping anybody in the house. Come on, church. This is so important. We, we put our best foot forward. We come here, and it's church, and we, you know, and we just think, oh, I just like the way that he treats his wife. You don't know how he treats her when he gets home. You, we all put our right. Everybody's got their moments. Everybody has their time. Everybody has their warts. Everybody has warts. You just see their Sunday best. Praise the Lord. And you see them walking into church hand in hand. You don't know that the whole way in the car they were fighting like cats and dogs. I could tell by that response we had a few fights on the way to, on the way to, in the house today. 
So I want you to know, that's a great way to commit adultery. Just begin to compare your spouse with somebody else. Sixth thing that you need to know, number six, find common interests and form emotional bonds with another. Just trying to help you commit adultery. I'm here to help. I'm your pastor. Find common interests and form emotional bonds with another. Now, I'm going to give you 12 of the ways that you can do this. So this is going to be awesome. And I'm going to go quickly. But I can promise you, it's already been a little quiet today. I can promise you it's going to get a whole lot more quieter in just a moment. <laughs> 12 emotional bonds. Here's how you can do it. This will help tremendously. Number one, make sure that you have a project at work together with someone that you're very attracted to. See, again, what, what am I trying to help you understand? I'm trying to help you see if you're presently on the path with great intentions, but you don't even know what's happening. Number two, check it out. Meet at the gym. No, obviously, I'm not against gyms. I am one. <laughs> we, we have gym owners here. God bless you. That's awesome. I don't mean gyms are wrong. I mean, you could go to Meathead's gym. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all, but you know what I'm talking about. Hey, let's meet at the gym. Let's work out together. Number three, laugh extra loud at his joke. Now, by you doing that with me, that does not mean you're interested in me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Randy, he laughs at all my jokes, and he, I promise you he's not interested in me. So you feel free to laugh loud at my jokes. It's okay. We're not, we're not here to condemn. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Number four, anticipate your time together. Just make sure, think about it. Just think about it. Just in your mind, just anticipate, oh, here's when we're going to be together at work. And then when you do, number five, check it out, dress with them in mind. When you're picking out something in the morning, think, what would they like? Oh, did I tell you it was going to get quiet in the house? <laughs> just trying to help you commit adultery. I'm here to help. Number six, check it out, flirt a little. Not a lot, just a little. And then number seven, check it out, text them after work. Make sure it's not during work hours, just a little after work, just see how that goes. And then number eight, let's keep going, direct message them. Get, get bolder, man, just directly message them. And then number nine, cloak it in spirituality. This is one of my favorites, because you're a Christian, so you got to make it spiritual, right? And here's how to do it, number 10. Use phrases like, I had you on my heart today. And I wanted you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. Now, that's the right thing to say to your same-sex friend. You're encouraging them 100%. That's right. But if you're doing that, you're married, and you're doing that to another married person or another single person, you're married, that's inappropriate. Number 11, hug and touch inappropriately. I mean, when you, make, when you see them at church, give them, oh, man, Jesus just loves you. and Just squeeze them real tight. <laughs> I'm your pastor. I just want to help you commit adultery. <laughs> Number 12, put out verbal feelers. Like, your husband's such a lucky guy. Make sure he's not there when you say it. 
watch you get kind of quiet in the house today. Seventh thing that we need to know if we're going to commit adultery, if we're going to have an awesome, wonderful affair, here we go. Number seven, rationalize your actions. This is one of the things that we as people do best. We're humans, so we love to rationalize. Remember Genesis 3.12? Remember Adam said, it's this woman that you gave me. So we love to rationalize. This can't be me. I'm Adam. I'm downright perfect. It's this woman you gave me. So let me give you seven rationalization realms. You'll love these. Number one, blame your spouse. Can't be you. You're awesome. Have you noticed? You're awesome. You rarely do anything wrong. It's got to be your spouse's fault. Oh, my goodness. I promise you, I promise you the Saturday service was not near as quiet as you people. Ooh, I'm concerned for you all. Number two, check it out. My spouse doesn't meet my needs. Make sure that's how you rationalize it. Listen to me, please, very closely. God has not designed your spouse to meet your needs. The only person that can meet your needs is God Almighty. Amen. Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your spouse cannot meet your needs. I never look to Anne to meet my needs. I always look to God to meet my needs. Third thing you need to know, check it out. The other, he or she, gets me. I mean, she gets me. He gets me. I mean, you know, you don't get me. She gets me. She laughs at all my stuff. She get we, we were, you know what? I think she might be my sewer mate. <laughs> Number four, check it out. It's just a playful flirting. It's not physical. I mean, come on, it's not hurting anything. It's just playful, just flirting. Better move on. Number five, cloak your rationale here once again in spirituality. This is one of my favorites because we're Christians and we do this so well. Cloak it in spirituality. Make, you, make sure you say things like, you know, number six, I, I, I'm not sure this marriage to my spouse was God's will in the first place. Listen to me now. Listen to your pastor. I'm going to help you. I've been in ministry 35 years. I've been doing this a long time. I've been married to my, it'll be 30 years in July, and I've been faithful to my wife for 30 years, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I'm telling you, that's a huge statement for me. Because before I knew Jesus, I was the biggest skirt chaser in town, totally addicted to lust. So for me to make that statement, there's hope for everybody in the house. Everybody. I'm not going to judge you. I'm just telling you, I can help you because I've been there. I've lived through it, and I've lived through it successfully. I can help you. I really can. I can help you. But see, we, I'm 35 years of ministry, myself, Pastor Dave, my staff, pastors, we hear this one more frequently than, than you would understand. You'd be very surprised how much we hear that. I'm not even sure it's God's will in the first place. L l listen to me now. Let me help you, okay? When you're walking down the aisle, not yet married, but you're walking down. Dun, 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 dun. You're walking down the aisle. It is not God's will yet. You can back up any time. You can moonwalk out of there. You can be the runaway bride. You hadn't said, I do. So, no, it is not God's will yet. All the way down. You get there. Now you see the, you see the guy. And he now, you lift the veil, he sees you. Ha! Ah!
you hadn't yet said I do yet. You're still good. When the, when, when the, when the pastor says, does anyone out there object? You could object. <laughs> yes, I object. I, I'm out of here. <laughs> but as soon as he says, do you take? And you say, I do. Do you take? And he says, I do. It is now the will of God. Then and there forever. That's why I encourage you single people, walk down those aisles slowly. Take your time. Date a little bit. Get to know somebody. Get to know them outside of church. Let them, and listen to me, ladies, let me talk to your heart for a minute. Listen now. The prettier you are, the longer he can fake it. You'd be surprised what patience he will have when you're beautiful. He'll act a certain way for a long time, even come and attend church for a long time till he's got you. That's why you need to see when he takes an elbow to the face, you need to see him when he takes an elbow to the face of the basketball hoop and he doesn't know you're there, you need to see what he says then because he ain't in church then. And if what comes out of his mouth, he wouldn't hold and you wouldn't hold in your hand, you shouldn't hold his. I wasn't this mean to the Saturday service. I was much nicer. I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that you're thinking here. Now, listen, again, as I mentioned before, and as I always do, this church is not about throwing rocks at you. I know there's people that have already gone through divorce here. We know that. And I want you to know something, and I want you to know it from our hearts. God loves divorcees. God hates divorce. And so we'll help walk that balance with you. We love you. Divorce is not the impardonable sin. You don't have to make that a, a lifetime. It was an event. Right. My challenge to you is, you can't unring that bell. My challenge to you is, now, if you're looking for another marriage, then now begin to learn with what I'm saying today so that you can make this next event much more successful. Yeah, right. And don't come and tell me, Pastor, I'm on my fifth marriage. No, no, no. Tell me, Pastor, I'm on my last marriage. And that don't mean you can kill the one you're with right now. <laughs> it, means, it means let's make this one work. You can't live your life from there. It's impossible. All you can do is live your life from here. So I'm just trying to help you. How many of you are in the house? You're married. It's God's will. Whether it was or wasn't walking down the aisle, once you said I do, it, it, it did. Number seven, here we go. God just wants me happy. This is another great way of cloaking things in spirituality. God, pull out the God card. God just wants me happy. Listen to me. Please listen to your pastor. I told this story on Wednesday, but I've got to tell it again. Pastor I know of, a guy came to him. He was married, had two beautiful little children. And he met this woman at work. She was lovely. She was younger. They quote, unquote, fell in love. And he went to the pastor hoping the pastor would give him his blessing for this other woman. And he, he's a pastor, was a good pastor, said, no, man, are you kidding? Are you kidding? You're married. You got two beautiful little children. No, no, no. Break it off right now. And here was this guy's response, because we love to cloak things in spirituality. He pulled out the God card. He said, pastor, I just think God wants me 
happy. Listen to me. If you follow that logic, and I ask you to do so, if God wants that man happy, then God must also want his wife and two children miserable. That's garbage, you guys. That's just spirituality for I want what I want, and I'm going to cloak my own selfishness in spiritual terms. That's right. Amen. That's all that is. So, Pastor, why did you yell? Why were you sleeping? I have a question for you. And I blame that God card, God just wants me happy, on people behind the pulpit. I really do. I'm not blaming you. I think there's a ton of erroneous teaching, particularly on Christian television, that gives you a whole bunch of pop psychology and gives you that kind of, God just wants you happy. Well, I agree with that if you qualify it biblically. Psalms 144, verse 15, happy is the man whose God is the Lord. When Jesus is first place in your life, when you're seeking him first in his kingdom, then and only then will you be truly biblically happy. Other than that, it's simply a means of cloaking our selfishness in spirituality. Helping anybody? So these are seven great ways to commit adultery. Hope you got took good notes. This is the perfect way to do it. Now I'm going to turn it around. Because now that we've got you off of, see, my goal here was because we're always intending to do the right thing. We just sometimes don't know that we're on the wrong road. So now my goal was to first get you off that road. Now I want to get you on the right road. So I'm going to give you seven ways to affair-proof your marriage. The good news is there's only come a one today, just one. We're so close to getting out of here and going to Shoney's. Just one. So let's talk about now the, the positive and proactively affair-proofing our marriage, shall we? Can we do that? Let, let me give you number one. Check it out. Respect. This is where it begins, and I know this is not a concept that we in America enjoy very much, but a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T, man, that's what I want to do for thee. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, just sock it to me, sock it to me, sock it to me? <laughs> see, see so now some of you are afraid to laugh because you're afraid that it, you're laughing too loud at my jokes. Ah, that's where we begin is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Let me give you six realms of respect very quickly. Check it out. I snuck sub points underneath number one. Well, you can't see eye to eye. And, of course, this is the subtitle. Learn to walk hand in hand. And it's going to take respect. Second thing you need to know, and it's really pretty powerful, be more focused on fixing the problem than fixing the blame. This is huge. This is huge. I watch uh, people in this country. All we do is blame, 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 blame. This is not, this isn't. There's a time where we can go, okay, we, we, this is, we have to fix this. But listen, be much more, much more focused on fixing the problem than fixing the blame on somebody, particularly in your marriage. Number three, check it out. Resolution is the solution. It really is. Sometimes we're going to have to simply agree to disagree. Resolution is a solution. I'm telling you right now, this is huge. I do this with my wife all the time. I do not... I do not want to spend time where we're bickering or in strife. And many times, even though she's wrong, I'll go to her. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Number four, check it out. Learn to place reconciliation above being right. 
Now, this is worth coming for right here. How many remember Jesus? You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21, the Bible says that Jesus Christ has reconciled the world unto God, and now all you have to do is receive that by faith. That word reconciled is a Greek word, katalarge, means to make friends again. I love that word because God has made friends again with all of mankind because of what Jesus did on the cross. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you, but you must receive that by faith or it does you no good. So listen to me. How many know that Jesus reconciled us unto God while we were completely wrong? Aren't you glad he didn't wait and said, now you got to get it right or I ain't coming to die for your sins. So it's not about being right. It's about reconciling. And I'm going to tell you, listen, I'm going to take one more step here and I need you to listen to me now. Please listen. The inability to admit that you're wrong is not a strength. That is an absolute weakness according to the Bible. And that's a big thing right now. People, people that will never admit they're wrong, they will never repent, they will never say, I was, I was, that is an absolute biblical weakness and it is not to be emulated. Humility, biblical humility is a Bible virtue. The ability to say, I was wrong. I repent. Would you please forgive me? It's a humble heart that allows us to do that. And everybody else that wasn't clapping is totally prideful. <laughs> Number five, check it out. If you want your wife to treat you like a king, make sure you treat her like a dairy queen. Every man loves ice cream. Could I have an amen? Treat her like a queen and, of course, vice versa. The one thing that you can't control is how she or he treats you. You've got to only control how you treat your spouse. That's huge. And then number seven, or number six, check it out. When you question your spouse's judgment, remember, they chose you. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. What about, hey, they chose you. Just remind them, you chose me. You got that right. It all begins if we're going to fair-proof our marriage with a little R-E-S-B-E-C-T. And I hope that means something to you.